What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the new west. You know. Morons. <laughs> Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, is my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Welcome to Fake Action Jacks. I'm Tim Matt Byrne on the board. We have Greg Pappas in studio. So we actually should be able to hear him, you know, type of thing. Uh, morning, Greg. SP Futures down 30. NASA Futures down 100. We keep slip slide. Was there a song? Slip sliding away? Was that, uh, what was a song right. like that? Slip sliding away. I know that one. Uh, who, who was that? Oh, man. Oof. Gonna have to dig that one up. It's a rough one, yeah. The, uh, sliding away down, what, less than a percent, though. It's not too much slip. No, it's uh, <laughs> but it's, it seems a little bit relentless, especially in some of these uh, these stacks. Like, uh, well, we got Apple's down 149.14. We have a client, uh, well, not me exactly, but one of our uh, people that I do some business with, who, uh, anyway, tried to get sell some covered calls. And uh, this, the was that. Apple will never trade under 160 as it now is under 150. Um, the Apple is my barometer for the entire econ- economy. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Russell was saying last week his is the SMH, the NASDAQ or the uh, Semiconductor Index, and that's down buck 61.8% today. But uh, yeah, some of this stuff is uh, NVIDIA, which everybody, everybody on CNBC loves, and everybody who watches CNBC owns. And the thing is now 130, and it was like, uh, I don't know, was, was some r- ridiculous number. It was three something last year. Mm. You can't, you couldn't. I'm not, I, I'm not about to give advice, but I'll tell you what. Uh, Could somebody uh, pay you to buy the stock? Um, yeah, you, you wonder, you know, what what are we doing here, guys? I mean, uh, mm. we're doing what the market does, Chief. Yeah, we're shaking out the people who don't have the stomach for it. But you, you know, you, the thing of it is, these are these are investments. These are stocks. They're not religions. They're not cathedrals. No. It's the cathedral of capitalism. Yeah, but I, uh, you know, it's it's so. Well, eventually you'll you'll pick up some years, both you guys, and when you do, the most amazing thing is to, is to watch stuff happen like the second time. And as much as you try and this this the the, the fever about this uh, Nvidia and, and Apple and Apple is you know obviously a great company uh, in terms of profits and money they have and all kinds of stuff and. Uh, but how high is too high, and, and it, it's the same exact fever that people had in 2000 or 1999 and eight about about Cisco, about Oracle, about those companies, Dell, Intel, and you know what? It just <laughs> Apple makes a dollar twenty a share. Um, little bit, little more than that. That's a quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. So That's it, in last quarter. So yeah, so that's what four eighty. Yeah. 
for radio, radio. Yeah. one hundred fifty dollars stock. Not uh, terrible. Yeah. It's, well, it's it's uh, what is that times earnings? Thirty. Twenty-five. Yeah, which is a lot for Apple. I mean, they're not a they're not what you would call a growth company at that size, are they? <laughs> no, they're a cash <laughs> cash uh, machine. Yeah, a oh, factory. Yeah. Well, they are, and they they've got. Uh, I, I will say this though, Greg, and I don't uh, in, in nowhere in my lifetime and nowhere in my reading of stuff. And I try and read as much as I can. <clears throat> nothing, nothing is is similar to this U.S.-China relationship, and I, I can. We're kind of half-ass enemies, half-ass partners. We've got our big companies here who I think control our our uh, government, uh, invested in there up their eyeballs. So I don't know how the hell you make. Pol- it'd be like if. Do you see Apple's? Uh, they're they're running twenty-three percent margin. I mean, on. Well, I think on it's probably it was, better than uh, that. Eighty-three in revenue, on the the quarterly income statement, they did nineteen point four in uh, profit, net profit. So, well, yeah, I mean, their 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 margin continues to be twenty-five um, percent or so, yeah, which is which is incredible for something you know what what they do. I, and cell phones has got to be higher than that, I would think. Or on some of their clearly on some of their uh, the money they charge me every month for. Uh, for office has got to be a hundred percent or ninety five, right? I mean, what's mm-hmm. the um, anyway? Did you see that the uh, the Suez Canal has raised their prices starting next year by fifteen percent? And uh, inflation is transitory. Oh yeah, yeah, it's transitory. First, it didn't exist. Then it was transitory. Then it was. Uh, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna quiz you this morning. Um, how much does it cost for a ship to go through the Suez Canal? One. Wouldn't it depend on the tonnage? Oh, it does. So it's a per ton price. Uh, well, bulk, bulk carrier depends on depends on what you are, what you how big you are, and, and what you're carrying. But a bulk carrier about thirty three thousand gross tonnage. I don't know. Is that big? It sounds pretty big. Um, guess like one one way passage. How much? I'll say a million dollars. Uh, it's three three to four hundred thousand. Oh, yeah. Raise that price. Yeah. How much? I wonder how much stuff there's on average that. On I one think of it's. Those. I think if you're a container ship, it's and some of these guys carry like twenty thousand containers, right? I think it's. A, I think it's a few hundred hours a container. So it's. So a if you carry twenty thousand, it's you know it could be a million. Wow. Well, the one banged into the side and closed it for a month. Remember? How uh, big that ever, thing was. Evergreen. Yeah. Ever given. Ever given. I mean, that thing. Uh, <laughs> You don't want that boy out of the middle, do you? Yeah, big oops. I yeah, that one. I, th- I think oil, I think oil guys are. Uh, we get a little of this. Um, <laughs> uh, handy size is ten to twenty thousand tons. Handy, handy max um, uh, is twenty thousand to thirty-five thousand. Cape size, fifty to ninety, and f f from max. What's that a name? Forty to sixty. So there's one in the middle there. F from max. And where do they actually get that <clears throat> that thing? Uh, so anywhere, so that's wh- that's where that is. We've got this worldwide. Uh, this says four hundred meters in length and sixty-five meters in width. Um, that's a ways. Yeah, that was the largest to cross the Suez. Um, well, Suez is, is not you know is pretty much flat, right? I don't, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any locks in the Suez, are there? I haven't been. I, I don't think Although, so. I almost went. I mean, I think your, your buddy Billy's going to go through there, isn't he, or something? Oh, he's going to go through 
six continents or something. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> uh, that, that's a, that's really a. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think we we, we send aircraft carriers and stuff through the Suez or through the uh, Suez. I don't think aircraft carrier could fit through the Panama, even the new one. Mm. Anyway, um, well, here's one. How much does it cost to sail a sixty-three foot sailboat through the Suez Canal? Sixty-three foot sailboat. Yeah, you're, man. I would charge them through the nose. <laughs> taking up space and the. the well, then, whether it's wood or wood or whatever, and it's a, uh, I don't know. They, they, the question is here, but nobody, nobody's got the answer. I anyway. would charge them a thousand dollars. Well, it's, it's got to be at least it. Waste, waste our time. You got to. Well, I mean, what's the alternative? Going, going around South Africa, with make, all the pirates and everything else. Make them do it. Oh God, it's uh, all right. So what's going on in the commodity world? Commodity world. We had the, uh, we had the Wazdi reports last week and what was expected was kind of realized and the estimates came down in terms Who's of WASD? WASD is the government uh, it's an acronym for the agricultural uh, body that puts out the estimates This so, is the one that Beaks had in the movie uh, Very similar, yeah So the government kind of does their surveys, they know it's uh, world agricultural, agricultural supply and demand now, do you have any idea uh, uh, in our stuff? Do they, they do they go out to farms? Do they do they use satellites? Do they use both. I mean, what do they do to figure out uh, what kind of sampling? Do you, I mean, do you have any idea what the process is? It's a it's a combination between government survey, government uh, direct stats, and also uh, farmer surveys. So they'll have their updated estimates every month or so. And they release those numbers on, uh, I think it's like the second Tuesday or some something that's fairly standard. And they let everybody know what they think. And then we kind of all make our expectations around that. There are the, the private group, like we mentioned last time, that does it also. Now, when you say the world stuff, now somebody calculates our stuff with like, how many other countries are we talking about? Ten? Uh, that's That's for us. I mean, we can... We can speculate about Chinese growing, and we can speculate about Argentina and stuff, and but mainly, you know, those these are our numbers and and what's happening here, and how much we're going to export. How accurate are like the, uh, you know, German numbers and the those kind of those kind of places? I would put it in correlation with their uh, their trade with the West. So the more the more uh, ally a country is or the the more we kind of count on them for other stuff the the more honest they are with us about that stuff do you have any idea what's what's the they're going to get something out of ukraine for all this mess it won't be zero right i think it's about like 30 percent or 40 percent but um now russia is saying you know the they're not holding up their end of the deal so they might just you know cancel it and turkey has to sign off and it's Nobody trusts each other, so... Why do you trust the guy who runs Turkey? Well, they... <laughs> if it's their waterway, and they say you can't go anywhere, that's kind of... You get stuck, so you have to have Turkey. Well, is, that, is there any... When is, when is... I guess I don't know this history. Is Turkey ever... The Black Sea region is a big uh, exporter of... Right, but is, there, is Turkey ever uh, closed off the Dardanelles? For grain? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I would have to look that one up for you for next week. Is that considered a 
somewhat of an international thing, or is it theirs to stop? They can, they can make things very, very difficult for insurers. And if you lose your insurance for your shipping, then, then you know you you're on your own, and most people won't won't even sail if they don't have the insurance. Well, is, is it considered? I don't know if you made it on the Is it considered an international waterway or theirs? I believe it's theirs. So if they say no, you know, that, then you have to appeal. Yeah, but if you're if you're a country on both sides of a of a uh, yeah, you need to play nice sea, with that. It doesn't mean it doesn't make the sea yours, does it? Uh, well, they're they're fighting over that in a bunch of different places, and especially you know South China. So yeah. Well, I mean, we don't. We don't. Depends on. We don't. We don't consider the entire Caribbean or uh, Gulf of Mexico ours. There's a standard like international waters. Uh, what is it like? Ten miles or something. Twelve, I think. Out. I think it's twelve, but it could be. Yeah, rose. and and then uh, you're supposed to have shipping lanes, and it's really who's got the power to enforce them. So. Um. Yeah, I don't think anybody be. If Turkey all of a sudden started firing on somebody's grain ship, I think that would be a problem. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the worry. So, not as much. Now, why would that moron do that? He, he just other than, well, other than the fact that he's kind of a moron. <laughs> They've got their own interests, and they will actively support their own interests. And if they think they can squeeze money or tariffs or, but or they don't. It doesn't cost you to go through there, does it? Uh, there. Yeah, I don't think it does, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, These are kind of loo questions, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not positive on the to get through the strait, but mm. they do have to sign off. So maybe mm. right. sounds that sounds like a project for Matt. Find out what's what. What does it take to to uh, to uh, uh, go through the Dardan? Is, is that what they call it, the Dardanelles? Dardanelles. It's the what the strait between uh, the Turkeys, both sides. Anyway, uh, so what do the reports show? They show. Uh, revi- revision downward in yield, so that if you're, if you had um, what, four point four three billion uh, expected bu- billions of bushels of soybeans, they they came down you know a couple percentage points and. Well, they uh, say what caused it? Um, mostly the weather, so the dry, you lose yield and you're not Illinois and. Iowa, but you've lost yield in other spots west, and they were uh, not bullish, but the end result was bullish in corn, and it was uh, bullish in beans. So the the other areas, even though you, I won't say usually, because sometimes they have problems too, but I guess the, the moral is you can sort of count on uh, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana to an extent. Oh and yeah. The other, the other guys are, are sort of uh, they can change the prices if you have a horrible year. And I mean, it wasn't big. It, it was like uh, bushels per acre, so fifty one point nine down to fifty point five for for beans, and that's the expectation is that if that gets worse, you know, that's kind of what they're thinking. They're not thinking in terms of this report is kind of built in, but they're thinking, oh crap, maybe next time we're going to have this again. And then you know if it gets under say forty or under fifty, you know, that's another revision downward. So all of a sudden, you know, a couple months ago you were at fifty three, fifty four, and now you're under fifty. Well, so when, when do you start harvesting beans? You be we're, yeah, we're we're starting the harvests right now. The the combines are rolling. Well, I'm thinking if you're if you're north, they're already rolling. Oh, uh, 
were you know i didn't see i didn't look maybe they weren't there but they'll start including how far we are in the harvest pretty soon all right what, what do you do with uh Go corn ahead. was uh, revised down to 172 and a half from 175. Uh, is, is this all corn that's like uh, going to market? The reason why I ask is yes, uh, yes. Uh, Audrey will be on later. She, well, we used to go to this bed and breakfast up in Wisconsin, and these people they had a talk about a hybrid sort of organization. They they ran a bed and breakfast. The guy had a dairy farm. They uh, had enough of a farm where they they uh, raised steers from the time they were uh, you know the mother got done weaning they were weaned is that the story until the time they went to the feedlot so they ran around out and, and but they would just their corn was all on kind of hills and stuff so they didn't, they didn't actually harvest it they just knocked it all over for, for the, these guys yeah. to run around and eat and uh, so they ate some grass some corn and they got paid I don't know let's say a penny a pound for all the stuff they all gained or something while they were out there they probably had, they probably had you know several hundred oh, uh, they weren't steers yet, but they weren't calves. What do you call them in the middle? Little adolescents or something running around. And uh, they had horses that would they'd round them up and so forth. And uh, anyway, it was pretty interesting. I just massive. And then he sold a couple of horses. And then he was a a cutting horse rodeo guy. So he had a couple of uh, you know what a cutting horse is. I've never no, I've never. Uh, well, I didn't know. It. I didn't know either. I don't know any of this stuff. And uh, other than Audrey tried to kill me on his horse, but. Uh, I don't know. She must have thought I had life insurance or something, uh, with her name on it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, cutting horses—they're—they're uh, they're a really high-strung little guy. And if if you have a whole a whole thing of uh, cattle, he's a guy that can. If the if the one you want's the one in the middle, he like chases the other guys away and grabs the one you want and, and herds him out. It's, oh. a, it's an amazing skill. It's something I would never do. <laughs> no, yeah, no everybody would want me to do. But um, anyway, but we went up there and uh, she ended up buying her horse up there. But yeah, but those guys, they, their corn, I mean, it never went to market. I don't know, does that, it probably not even counted, is it? That? I doubt it. If they don't, if they don't do anything with it, maybe they, they get some subsidy from the government. But I think I, they, I well, they think use it for would, grain, I think, for their own, yeah, the stuff they, they did harvest, feed. they just use for grain for their that's, own dairy farm. Yeah, that's and, feed you, know, you don't have to buy. So Yeah, so they, uh, I mean, I think a lot of those kind of farms just use it for themselves. I don't think they... Maybe if you had extra, you run you run off with one truckload. But I I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. The, plus, she worked for uh, she was a paramedic, and he was like something else. I mean, they had like six jobs apiece just to make ends meet. Because I, sometimes I don't think you make anything on on milk, depending on the prices. And I think this the stuff. The, I think the the cattle were actually from uh, Morgan Stanley or someplace. Somehow, somehow <laughs> yeah, it was like the weirdest thing. But uh, derivative of a derivative. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you, you watch how hard these people work all day, and the idea, of the, the chances of getting hurt because you're always pounding something or cutting something or whatever. It's just like, it, say, so those jobs don't necessarily match what uh, the mortgage people that are getting laying o- laid off. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, those the white collar versus in the field versus doing anything by your, you know, what are the chances of? One of those guys or, or ladies getting a job doing anything like the jobs that everybody wants now, you know, these blue-collar jobs. I mean, it's we have a kind of a big mix-up. By the way, I couldn't help but look at my savings for family number as all day long I listen to all these people tell me how great everybody's doing. We're now down to 7500 so it's another $200 in the last week. $200? Per family. It goes down like $150, $200 like every week. Oh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 80 million families, that's a lot of money. 
Yeah, and that's you know if you're at seventy five and you're losing a hundred a week. Yeah, that's this is down from fifty five thousand at the height of uh, the PPP money running all over the place. So fifty five thousand. Well, it's been you know at this level for like a long time, and then it went flying up when they sent all those checks out to everybody. But now it's coming flying right back down again. So the idea from the, that the bankers will come out like the head of Bank America or something and say, God, we've never seen you know depositors in better shape. Bull bleep. So what do we think that turns around again when when inflation I, stops? I don't know. I think it turns around again when 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 more PPP. Pe- um, let's put it this way: in, when I was in my day, people made a hundred dollars a week and you lived on eighty and you saved twenty. I don't see. What any about f- the government? Well, the government is, was not as invasive back then as they are now, in a lot of ways. In some ways they were, but some of the tax rates were actually higher. But uh, Weren't tax rates, last time inflation was this high, weren't tax rates like 50% or 70%? No. Well, I mean, they. what happens is every time they were high, you had a million different deductibles. So the effective tax rate? The effective tax rate was, was you know, it's hard to go back and say because I didn't do that. I didn't, but you had, you had a million... Uh, not a million. You had a real lot of tax brackets back then. Like every couple thousand bucks, there was a, there was a different tax bracket. So if over a period of five or six years, a, a guy, a guy or, or, or a lady who was making, uh, let's say, fifteen grand at the end of five years was making twenty. The fifteen grand essentially equaled the twenty, hmm. because you because you were had an inflation of eight, nine, ten percent a year wow. for over those periods. So. But but at twenty you're paying a much higher tax rate than you were at fifteen. So you make a hundred, save eighty, and now now we're saying we uh, now I think make people right and right, spend one ten. I think that's what we're doing. Uh, what are we spending on credit cards or iPhones? Uh, food, rent, food and rent. Rent is probably the biggest one. House. Well, the rent numbers that that I had seen were it went from thirteen hundred average payment to like twenty six hundred. Yeah. So. No, you you can cover that for a while by getting a roommate, but then but the, but the numbers should should reflect that, and I don't know that they do. You know, I'm saying you you, you it's it's not the same product. You know what I'm saying? Well, apartment with roommates not the same as an apartment by yourself. Yeah, this says food was up ten percent, yeah. energy was up twenty five percent in the past twelve months, and yeah. that's BLS. Well, you and can't. You, the part in there you can't believe is that actually the BLS has rent up six percent. Yeah, so that's just that's BS. Yeah, that's and they have self-interested. Yeah. Plus, it's what's the, what's the uh, the part of the basket like eight percent? I mean, what 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 renter do you know is only paying eight percent of their salary and rent? Rent is supposed to be what a third or a fourth of your income. Yeah, but look, yeah, but look at the look at the number. That's what's weird about it. If if you look at the CPI. No. <laughs> well, I, I will look at it right now since I will find it in a like, second. But if your if your rent is fifteen hundred dollars and it's supposed to be a third to a fourth, you know you, that's if you've got five or six thousand a month coming in, okay, fifteen. But all of a sudden, if rent is twenty five hundred, you know that's a big jump to ten thousand. Well, that's that's the thing when no, they when they do nobody got that big of bump no. And when Nancy and Audrey are talking about they they now when you go to these. When you go to rent a place and you fill out all the paperwork, especially if it's a management company, they're going to want you to be making three times more than your rent. Well, okay, if you're paying twelve hundred, I think a lot of people make thirty six hundred a month. But now, when you go to twenty five hundred, yeah, I don't know how many people are making seventy five hundred. That's a, a, a huge jump. Yeah, it's a huge jump. 
and I don't know if anybody is 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 quite getting there. I mean, you guys in the restaurant industry and you traders got all that kind of dough, but you know, it's not like everybody else does. I'm thinking that as as soon as uh, well, if mortgage if you get a mortgage at six percent or whatever it is, and you're not making that. If you're not even making six or ten percent in, say, a- after expense profit, you know what's the point of buying a building? The price have to come down pretty, or they don't have to yeah. do anything. But uh, it doesn't seem to make sense to buy any new buildings right now, and no, or you, even supply them. But you see it, you see it on all the edges, uh, Greg. I mean, because Audrey will be on. But last week we had Nancy, and you find it so that I mean, when you, Audrey will tell you, I'm sure she will today if I ask her. She will say that, that all young people want houses in totally move-in condition. Okay, now that's, A, you can say, well, they're all lazy, they don't know how to paint. Right, you could say that. Uh, but you also could say that the, the mortgage has got them stretched so far that the last thing they need is to walk in there. They don't have five grand to have some guy come in and paint the place. Yeah, the, I mean, even, either to build it or to buy it as an investor, you got to have some kind of return. And at these prices, do you see the any type of return coming back? No, I, I don't. Especially if you can do nothing, if you're the bank and make six percent, you know, I'd rather be the bank at that. Well, I, I you know, I, I manage a building, pretty much. I've been remodeling and stuff, and uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not so sure if, if you gave it to me, I'd want it. Right, because <laughs> that's the only taxes that's and the little, water bills and all the other yeah, stuff. I'm like. Of, a lot of a lot of risk on yeah. that part, and plus it's it's a constant. The thing's 110 years old. It's a constant. Anyway, we just talked about the rent of shelter, uh, rent of primary residence is 7.2 percent of this basket. It's up 6.7 percent in the last year. Yeah, but it's really 30 percent is what. You're well, saying. but I'm saying the owner's equivalent rent. If you own the place, they're saying it's 20. Well, it's it's 30 percent for you to get it. The Bureau of Labor Statistics telling you it's only seven. Right, so they're off times three. So oh yeah, well it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> there, there's our multiple right there. Well, owners equivalent rent, which is an owner's stuff. They, now that's twenty four percent of your basket. That's only up six point three percent the last year. But anyway, what Audrey's going to say today is that uh, all of a sudden the housing market is is stopped because nobody is willing to move now because you got a three percent mortgage. And if you if you if you go somewhere, if you need a bigger house. Go somewhere else, you're going to be paying six. Yeah, forget So the, so the difference is, is dramatic. Anyway, SP Futures down 34, and Nasdaq Futures down 116. Greg, thank you. Thank uh, you. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chiefs' favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies' thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. Jocks. Jocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Well, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Burn on the board. SP Futures down 32. NASDAQ Futures down 109. Make that 111. Dow Futures down 262. We, over in Europe, we've got... The DAX down 53.4%, FTSE down 45.6%, CAC around down 68 that's 1.1, so the CAC runs down pretty much double the other two guys. Uh, over in Asia, the Nikkei down 308, 1.1%, Shanghai down 10.3%, uh, Hang Seng down 195 these guys are, that's another 1%, 18565 these guys were 29000 just a little over a year ago, they get, they're getting smacked every day damn near. Uh, bonds. Uh, 3.5% in a 10-year, highest price since 2011. A uh, bond up four basis points, 1.80. Japan's uh, unchanged at 0.25. Those guys, no matter what happens, are unchanged. On Friday, Dow was down 139. S&P down 28. Nasdaq down 103. It was down a lot more than that, and actually came back to that on the close. So those were those might have been the highs of the day. Uh, oil 
down 206, 8305. Brent down 199, 8936. Natural gas down 28 cents, 748. That's some over $9, maybe 10 trading days ago. Arbob down 6, uh, 235 as gas prices continue to go down. We've got gold down 14, 1668. We don't like anything now. Gold, silver. Silver down 8 cents, 1929. Copper down 4 cents, 347. We've got Bitcoin. Whack, whack here at 1,057, 18,652. Like I said, it's got me pretty worried. I, I think uh, if it goes much lower, we got some problems there, which also are going to affect the market. Uh, the dollar, same where it was, 0.99, or the euro dollar is 0.999, so they're almost exactly even. The pound, however, is now down, down below 114 at 113.81. Uh, so, not good anywhere, really, here, man. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? The Bears, not good either. Not good. The Bears, not good last night. Uh, although right now, currently 6.37 a.m. on Monday, September 19th, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago right now, uh, not too many accents to speak of, although I should mention uh, Roxy Music, uh, the band from the 80s. Uh, they're uh, doing a show tonight at United Center, so that should be a big crowd. So watch out for traffic in the area around the, around the stadium. That'll be at 8 o'clock tonight, probably get around, around out around 10 or 11. Uh, traffic otherwise, fairly normal at the moment. Uh, weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, a little damp this morning. Currently 68 degrees, a high of 79 and a low of 63. In Phoenix, clear skies, currently 79 degrees, a high of 103 and a low of 79. In the MLB yesterday, White Sox beat the Detroit Tigers 11-5. Cubs lost to the Colorado Rockies 4-3. And the Diamondbacks played the San Diego Padres and lost 6-1. Now for the big story of the day uh, in the NFL yesterday. Uh, big game, Bears versus Packers. Bears lost 10-27. Overall, I, th- I think they were, it was. It might have been a little promising there in, the, in I think it was in the fourth quarter I was watching yep. it. Uh, uh, and they looked like they, they could have they come back, but they just didn't. Uh, I, would, I do want to mention, Chief, I looked up that Dardanelle straight for you. Uh, $4 per ton. That's what we're looking at. That's uh, to go through. To go through, yeah. Even though it's not a canal, it's not anything, just a straight. Nope, $4 per ton. That's all I got. Um, let's see, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, not, it, to me, it doesn't sound that a lot, you know, $4, but I guess it wrecks up all, well, all the tonnage. Well, if you got 50,000 tons, it's oh, wow. like 200 grand. That's a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, but that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. All right. We have Mr. Flanagan? You do. Good morning. Tom. How are you, bud? <laughs> how you doing? All right. How are you doing? I'm just doing great. <laughs> are, are you back to 100%? No, I'm, I'm taking it easy. You know, I, I feel better than I did yesterday. The gout stuff is just, you know, it's kind of a recurring thing, but I haven't had a spell in a while, so that's just kind of a downer. But I'm on demand. So. Well, a guy who takes it as easy as you normally, when you take it, take it easier, are you at least moving? You would think, yeah. <laughs> how, could, how could you take it any easier? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm looking for ways to still toss them. Kind of a catatonic I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> How to do nothing and like it. it like, yeah. How to do less than nothing. Well, did you make it to the opera? <laughs> I did, actually. That Good. Was, we'll talk about that later, maybe. That was my introduction to City Nightlife on Friday, which was more City Nightlife than I could handle. Mm. Why? Did you get mugged? No, it was the Mexican Independence Day. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh. you know, that, that kind of freaked all these people coming out of the opera. Uh, I would say so. The whole downtown was kind of all elation, you know, feeling when he came out to see a good performance, and you got the streets blocked, and M80s being set off in front of the opera house, and car horns, and car radios, and the screeching tires, and motorcycles revving, and there was you know you couldn't get anywhere. All the buses, cabs, everything was just gridlocked all over the loop. Well, how'd you get home? 
I kept finally walking all the way around to try to get away. They were pouring in uh, all these cars on Washington Street. And so no cabs could get in front of the opera because that's how they, they loop around there and they come around in front of Wecker Drive and go over Madison to get on the Kennedy or the Ryan. So I walked over farther west and got you know, a little south of Madison and there were cabs coming along there and they said they couldn't get into the loop, Michigan Avenue, all these streets have been closed off at that point by the city, I think. So they were being flagged into other directions. So once you got across the river, um, you had a better shot at getting stuff. But it was just, it was kind of, I wasn't expecting it at all, and I don't think anybody else on the street was. They were kind of like flummoxed by it. Well, there seems to be an awful lot of communication. It has to be, it has to be going around somewhere. How, how can the police and people constantly be surprised? I don't understand either, Tom. I mean, I, I noticed the other day, you know, the stretch beyond Pulaski near me here uh, was doing a very healthy business of selling flags, and uh, it, September 16th has always been a kind of holiday in, in various pockets of the city, but I, I noticed this time there were there was much more, like there were many more vendors selling stuff, and people decorating their cars in the middle of Lawrence Avenue. This is like a, you know Thursday afternoon. I thought, well, I wonder what gives. This is, I don't remember this big a deal in the past. Well, this was clearly a, a highly orchestrated, uh, you know, very coordinated deal to just descend on the loop in huge numbers and to overwhelm everything. But I, how could how could the city and the aldermen and other people not know? I, I just don't get it. Well, I seem to recall a couple times uh, downtown here that when I, when I would be leaving or something, I'd I see people coming this way on the expressway, and it's always been something that people you know, put the flags on the cars and tooted horns and stuff, and you know that, that's okay as long as you don't as long as you don't block the place up. I mean, uh, I don't have a problem with a little bit of celebration here and there. Do you? I mean, it's oh, but, it is, I have no problem at all. You know, this, this is why we have things like parade permits and yeah. advance notice for traffic closures and things mm-hmm. like that, so that so that everybody else isn't you know completely you know frustrated in just their ability to get around. I mean, there's no way you know, ambulances or buses, but police vehicles, taxis, whatever, Ubers, the things that kind of keep the loop, you know, accessible or, or escapable, given what your agenda is. It, but it, nothing can get in or out except the people who are partying. Well, I guess it's just it's party time, and you kind of write your own rules about this, it seems. No, nobody seems really to be aware of it's developing. So it's always well underway before it's reached kind of a crisis. I, I just don't think the, the city really is going in a direction that I, I approve of with, with letting this stuff kind of get this far before then they then have to crack down. Because then there'll be all sorts of bad will for being draconian about it. But clearly they've got to take a much stronger stand on this. And I, uh, I don't see any desire to do that. So. Jan, you, uh, and a lot of people, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, um, I do get around some. <laughs> I mean, I drive it in the morning, drive home at night, and uh, and then on weekends, I you know I go see Audrey in the, in the in the Orland area. So I'm on the expressways, and a lot of times, you know, during the week, if there's a client or someplace, you know, I'll, I'll go I'll go where where the client is, and uh, uh, we make house calls, you know, type of thing. Um, I'm not I'm not uh, opposed to going out and uh, having you know having a coffee with a client somewhere near their place, and because uh, I always want to meet people, but. Jan, anybody who doesn't think that the place is pushing anarchy is out of their friggin' mind. They're out of their mind. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't. You, you know, I'm not as much as everybody has their opinions. I don't. Uh, 
I don't like to drive mine home on somebody. As a matter of fact, I like to learn from people rather than trying to give them my opinion. But on this one, you got to trust me. <laughs> I mean, I was out on the Stevenson Saturday night, and it was a little backed up, and there must have been 15 idiots that hit the shoulder, flying around on, on the shoulder going a million yeah, miles an hour. There's got to be five people going over 95. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it, it is absolutely anarchy. And that's why when you see an accident, all of a sudden there's, you know, 15 cars and 10 people dead, for God's sake. I mean, it, 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 for whatever it is, there isn't a traffic law. And, and if you get off the Stevenson, if you go in my neighborhood, you know, where everybody's supposedly, you know, lily white and money, uh, I challenge you anybody to see a stop for a stop sign or a red light or anything like that. I mean, uh, it's absolute. Nobody has any, any respect at all for any of these traffic laws. And how, does, how do you go from there to all of a sudden respecting other laws? I mean, you don't. I mean, it's. I mean, uh, I mean, what, what difference does it make? We're not going to. I mean, one of these days, one of these days, and hopefully it's you know we're long gone by the time this happens. So that's going to happen on a, on, a, on a night, and all of a sudden you're going to see somebody's going to anticipate it, and somebody's going to show up, and they're going to close every damn bridge but one, and you're going to have to come out of the loop on that bridge, and everybody's going to get arrested, every car is going to get impounded, and the fines are going to be huge, because. I don't want. I don't ever want to have to do that. But I know that's where this is heading, because someday, somewhere, people are going to pissed off and off and say, "I don't care who's mayor. They're going to make this place safe for me to walk down the block." Because that—that's what it takes to have a, a society, and, and we're not there now. Yeah, there's there's always been a tension, you know, throughout history, what, what you want to do and what you can get away with, and, and what is just—it's not even on the table. Don't even try to do that. And that this kind of should be a, an agreement among people. If, if they're in a city and they, they you, you want it to function efficiently, safely for as many people as possible, it's in everybody's interest for your children and your parents, and you know, so that you don't have to worry all the time about doing basic things like walking down the street or getting on a bus or something. And everybody kind of agrees to just you know, make that doable and, and protect people who are not really trying to destroy anything or, or whatever. And, and now I, I just feel like that there isn't any kind of a, of a you know, social contract anymore that sees that as something that everybody has to participate in. It's like if you, if you want to have a street party, and this is happening not just downtown, but it's happening all over the city, you, you just do it until you're told you can't do it anymore. And, of course, that involves you know police action, if you can get the police to show up. And it, it encourages people to think that there's nobody minding the store, and this is what people will do if they think they've, they've, you know, the city's been kind of turned over to them. In a, in a way, I don't blame people individually. I, I just think that there's been a loss of respect for other people and in, in just kind of basic ways, and it's turned it into kind of a selfish grab well, but whatever it, you can do. So. I, I, you and I, we've, had, we've, we've jousted on this one before. Um, by the age of seven... You know you don't belong on that street, Black and State Street. But eight or seven, you don't. You know, you don't belong in Macy's store grabbing crap. And by age of seven, you know you don't belong in the Capitol. I mean, this is this is not every everybody's doing it kind of thing. For God's sake, you and I, our parents wouldn't let it get us away with that. Everybody else did it. You're not everybody else, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess we were lucky, Tom. Cause you know, I, I guess we, we, we and all the all the other kids I grew up with had parents who. Who you know ran a tight ship? I'll tell you. Um, yeah. And you know it 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 kind of you know at times I thought it was much too tight, but 
um, I, I can see now, you know, that it, it, that has its value. And if you don't have enough people doing that, then you got to kind of take your orders from people you really don't trust and, and people who don't, you know, care about you at all. And I think we're definitely in that mode now where the city has just lost, you know, the ability to do very much. And they maybe they're hoping that people will kind of see the light at some point. That That's not going to work. Well, we also have this kind of ridiculous, and I, I don't, I, I, to be honest with you, Jan, you and I are old enough to remember, you know, real racism, and uh, you know Martin Luther King and, and Marquette Park and all that stuff. We, you know, we were around and we were, we were, we weren't quite adults, but we were certainly adult enough to know that what the hell was going on, you know. And we we know that, you know, guys like Billy Williams couldn't stay in the same hotel as the rest of the team when the Cubs traveled, the minor league traveled south, and abhorrent conditions. Um. But I actually always have been a proponent of Martin Luther King and that you don't judge anybody by the color of their skin. That means everybody. Not just white people or black people. It means everybody. Mm. You judge everybody. like, And this idea that every single time you talk about crime, Lori Lightfoot thinks it's an assault against blacks. Well, most of the crime is being done by black people right here. But but other places it's not. It's not like... It's, it's not like it's, it's an assault against all black people. It's not it's saying right here in Chicago, the murder is 84% black. You, that statistic stares out at you. It's right there. It's, it's not, you're, you're not being a racist if you say so. How can you be? That's the number. I mean, I, you know, I don't, and this whole idea that you can't, if you arrest, I mean, it, it's as insane to me as saying if I were to, if it was 30 years ago and you swooped in on a, on a group of Ku Klux Klansmen, who I'm sure are all white, and they're the biggest bleeps ever. They're running around and beating people and doing all they don't hanging them. Does that mean if you hire, if you, if you, if you arrest twenty of those guys, you got to go find five black people because you can't hire, you can't arrest all twenty just white people? That's insane. You arrest whoever does it, whatever color they are. What's the difference, John? I don't, I don't get this at all. What am I missing? Well, what I found pretty disturbing. You know, if, if you've seen the Darren Bailey, you know, the, the Republican candidate for governor the spot that they're running now of the uh, woman being assaulted on oh, her street yeah. up in North Center, like around Seeley and um, Bell Plain, or, you know, like around Damon and, and Irving Park. They're very respectable, you know, pleasant neighborhoods. And there's, there's video of her being taken down by these guys who just get out of a car, come up and knock her down, she's screaming at the top of her lungs, heartbreaking. They run off, they're gone in no time, and um, he's running that ad, and Prisker, you know, lashed out at it for saying, "Well, this, this is just playing the race card." And Dan okay. Croft, the guy who made the spot, would just kind of laugh and said, "Well, he said maybe the governor has got X-ray vision. How can he see who these perpetrators are? That this w- w- was some kind of a racial incident. The woman is clearly white. That's about the only identifiable race you can see in this video clip. But but right away, the explanation is." It must be blacks doing this. And I'm sorry, when you got a governor who takes that position instead of saying we should protect people like this victim, instead of saying maybe we're accusing people with a very broad swath here, and let's not do that. I thought this guy's looking at this incident from totally the wrong end. But this is why we have what we have. Well, the people jumping the lady, they could very well be white. In other cities, they probably would be. But here, they're probably black. Right, and and in the long run, it doesn't matter. In the long run, it doesn't matter. Except, except <coughs> the defense. Well, you know? and whoever it is, you arrest them. Right, you, you, you don't want to 
you certainly don't want to say don't pay attention to the race of these people. You don't say, but let's not pay attention to who the victim was. To just say this this is turning this into a racial incident means we're not going to deal with it. And well, it, yeah. to me, is, that's just totally disheartening. But it, it shows the mindset of, of Lori Lightfoot and the governor, and you can find this in practically every big city mayor in some form or another. They'd rather not take notice of what's really happening because they don't want to own it. They don't want to lash out and take a group of people and say, you're victimizing your own I, I just think, you know, huge numbers. This, I think you shouldn't you, be doing this, and we're not going to let you do it. Instead, they just say, we, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to be in the middle of this. Let's just everybody look away from it. Well, big deal. You know, who needs your leadership like that? Well, Jan, at the weekend, uh, all you know, back and forth, wherever you were listening, all they do were everybody's fighting about this uh, new, new bail program. Okay, so, and it, it's funny, I... I uh, <clears throat> was listening on, uh, I don't know, what's the one on Sunday morning? But it's, it, it's like Meet the Press, but it's local. It's on uh, news radio. <clears throat> they, it's oh, like, yeah, they have... Um, it's a local person that's on there, usually. But it's a, yeah, but it's a Bernie Tafoy or one of the yeah. viewers, yeah. Well, they have the, this guy on yesterday, and he's a... Uh, Chicago Affairs or something. Like yeah, this something. guy's a uh, African-American uh, uh, public defender. And... Um, they were talking about the bail thing and how he's saying it. It's nothing like you know the Republicans are put. Which of course, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, all all the stuff that's published on either side is, <laughs> if you read it, it's it's so extreme, it's scary. You know, uh, the part where you know they're gonna leave, let all these guys out, and you can't keep them because you can hold people without without bail as much as you want. But the, and the questions kept coming pretty softball, and I really wished that <laughs> I had the guy in stocks and jacks. Because, Jen, the more the more you think about, it, the more the it, it, it is not about you know rich people for being for poor people in the jail. I guess it is a little bit, but it's it's about the entire system. And unless you, I mean, this the system was pretty bleeped up to start with, and now with this COVID, did anybody take more advantage of the COVID than the teachers and the courts? No. I mean, there, I mean, the the backup of people being of being tried. Is has got to be two years in most cases, isn't it? Yeah. And so that's a problem. We, we never mentioned that problem, you know. I mean you, I mean, you should ask this guy, how many days did you get paid when you didn't work? I mean, it, it's not his fault. I mean, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't cause the court to not be open. As a public defender, I bet he never missed a paycheck. And the judges, Tom, I mean, the, the ones that, that were working were working remotely, but they're, they're bailiffs, you know, they're clerks, all these people in the system weren't showing up, but they were getting paid. The judges had to do it from their, yeah. they were driving on cable on Zoom, but you know, here we're paying a whole staff of people to just sit around. And, 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 and meanwhile, there's no way you could get people through the system like well, there was no, in the numbers you but needed. That was, so that, it was, it was BS, Jan, because... It was a waste of money from the get-go. Well, what you said is not BS, but that was BS because I don't think there was no jury trial for the whole time. Oh, no, no jury trials, yeah. no. This is just, you know, this, just basic you know, divorce actions or you know, civil actions or whatever. It was, it was all conducted remotely, but you were paying a full staff of people as if they were all sitting in the Daily Center. Well, and I, and I think, but I mean, the, the questions were just right there for this guy. And again, I'm not trying to pin anybody to the wall because everybody has their point of view. Actually, maybe I am. I don't know. But the, <laughs> question, the question should be, he's talking about, well, rich people get out on this. I, I just wanted to say, hey, buddy, how many, how many rich people are out of, on bail for carjacking. You know, how many rich people are out for it, 
for aggravated assault on the street. There's probably one or two. Now, when you say rich, do you mean that the gangbangers, the, the, the gang put up the money for the I mean, So, but the, the thing I have, I, the biggest bitch I have, Jen, is that does anybody look forward to this? Now, somebody, somebody carjacks a car. Right, you arrest a guy, maybe, <laughs> which is like 10% of the people that carjack cars. So you arrest a guy, and okay, he's in there. Well, you know, we can't hold him on money bill. We're going to let him out. And so now he's out like a year. Right, a month from now, he's back in. For At what point do you deny him bail? At what point does the next person that gets hurt while he's carjacking him, does that person look at the system and say, it sure, it sure didn't, 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 uh, didn't help me? I mean, what, what, how are you going to figure out whether this is working or not? I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that the, the idea of buying yourself out with money is very imperfect. You know, is there a way we could fix that? But while the two sides are sniping each other, what you really need to do, there, there was, a, there was a, a night in Brokers, right? One of, one of the bars that's no longer downtown, Traders Bars, and these two old guys, they would, they would drink every night. And, uh, and so one night, they're actually, they actually get in like a little biff, they're half of the suitcase anyway, they get in a little biff outside the, their booth, right? So what the hell is the waitress' name? Mar- Marge or something? She runs over, she grabs both of them by the scruff of the neck, bangs her head together and said, knock it off, get back in the booth and have a drink and shake hands. <laughs> I mean, but at some point, somebody somewhere, you know, some deity has to come down here and take the, suit, the two guys bitching knock him upside the head and put him in a room and say, instead of bitching, fix it. There's no fix here. I mean, there's no, okay, wait a minute. We, 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 have, to, we have to find a way to not have people waiting for two years for trial. There, therein lies the root of the problem. And where are they for the two years? Or are they in or are they out? Are they dangerous or are they not? Can you, is, is there any, the bail system, if somebody's putting up 90% of the money and the family's lending you to 10%, is there some advantage there that the family doesn't want to lose their money, assuming it's a family, not a gangbanger. And what about the bail guy? Is he going to track you down and help us find him? Is he going to be like a, you know, I don't know if that's the right thing either. But why are we doing this? Why did we do it? Why is it not working? Is it the length of time they're in jail? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see any of that or hear any of that. Do you? No. The thing about the bond system, I mean, for, for whatever flaws it has, it's it's designed or, or you know, it's, it's expected to compel attendance at the trial right. or you know, any appearance that's coming up and you don't grant bail if you think you've got a flight risk because there isn't enough money you know, to make that worthwhile if, you're going to, if you have every intention of escaping the jurisdiction. And it, it used to end up in draconian results when you know, people put up mortgages on their house to save son or daughter who's in trouble with the law and if the, if the person skated or, or you know, jumped town you, know, you lost your house, and this happened to people. It happened to my mother's family in one case. Uh, it was draconian, but you wanted some kind of leverage. Otherwise, you could you knew these people weren't going to show up, and you had to some way of, of leaning on them through their family or some, a bondsman or the you know a mortgage, whatever, that made it less you know, of, a, of a bad decision to go to court than to just walk out. And now you you really have no. Of course, you know you can deny bail you want under this. In this new system, if you want to, but the fact that you know the default setting is that we don't kind of care if you show up for court or not, and as a result, we're you know no matter how serious the offense, you don't, we don't see you as a risk. Period. Despite the fact that it's arson or second degree murder 
kidnapping or homicide or attempted homicide with, with poison. I mean, these are kind of horrible things that you, you really don't expect these people to well, abide by. I would say, Jen, the, the, the people are... They're already doing this kind of stuff. And yet we're saying we, we don't care if you go back out on the street. And it, it gives the, ju- the judges so much more leeway than I think they're, they're entitled to. They're already probably too you know, entitled in the way they, they make some decisions about bail that are ridiculous, ridiculously low amounts for fairly serious crimes. But now you're, you're tilting the balance so much in favor of people who have no intention ever of cooperating with, with the criminal justice system that if you're going to end up really encouraging... Well, we got a, we got a dash for break here, Jim. We'll, we'll be right... SV Futures down on 37. We'll keep linking. Leaking. NASDAQ Futures down 120. Let's just say that if, if all of a sudden the next 150 cases, every judge denies bail, that's not exactly why the people are proponing this bill are doing it. <laughs> that would not be the result they're expecting. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Do you have a, a real job? Well, that is our job. Oh. We don't technically get money for the hours we put in, but it is our job.
Was that song about the market? I don't know. <laughs> Paul Simon, as it turns out. Paul Simon. I remember, I remember when this album came out, oh, yes. long before Matt. You know, actually, uh, weirdly enough, we mentioned Paul Simon. Uh, today, uh, in history, 1981, was the, uh, the, the day that he and, Simon, uh, and Garfunkel uh, reunited in uh, uh, New York for that, uh, uh, that uh, Central Park. Uh, it was a great concert. Yeah, and that, it, it was that day in history, so hey, big connection there. Yeah, and I think when they, they haven't talked to themselves since. Oh, tell yeah. you since. It's, it's a weird deal. Yeah, SB Futures down 35, Nancy Futures down 115. Um, John, as a, as, a, as a man of history, I have an am- amazing question or two. Obviously, the, the Queen is uh, being buried today, right? Um, right. And uh, uh, I guess I would have loved to have done a, a Spock mind meld on her to get to get any of those. You imagine the history she was packing that lady's brain, all the mm-hmm. people she met, 14 presidents and all the other goofballs that run other company, countries and so forth, and Always on her game. Never a wardrobe malfunction. Never a mm-hmm. a, a slip of the tongue. Or <laughs> nothing. Just always on her game. And uh, for seventy years. My question is, who's around to remember what royal funerals are supposed to look like? They haven't had one for seventy years. And these guys are wearing all these these weird outfits. The, the people in the army and stuff. Where did they keep those for seventy years? <laughs> how do you how do you do this? How do you, who even remembers it? Well, it's. it's very heavily documented. Um, I was l- listening today to uh, some news you know, clip and said it's the first state funeral since Churchill's, which I remember because that was you know very you know, you know publicly it talked. It was televised. This was 1965, I think. I think it's sixty five. But you know th- these are are lavishly documented, even going back hundreds of years with sketches. Drawings, eyewitness really? accounts, and the protocol—you know—which is pretty much, you know, carved in stone. You know, the order of the procession, um, the, the the way you set up a guard, you know, for the catafalque. Yeah, but the outfit's um, got to be a little game. Who, who gets to appear for all? All this stuff is is really a, kind of a no-brainer for the people who keep track of it. Um, but it is, you know, an amazing thing to see all of this spring to life with, you know, costumes and the vehicles and the pageantry and the music and all this stuff. Um, but it, but it isn't as if they, you know, they've been working at it. They're always working at it. They're always kind of dusting off the volumes that, you know, you know, have, have recorded this stuff so that they can pretty much say with some certainty, here's what the funeral of Queen Mary in 1695 was like mm-hmm. and how it differed from the funeral of Queen Anne in 1714. They know this because it's, it's all there. And they're, they're, they take a great you know, pride in, you know, this is what makes the monarchy important, that this is something that transcends time and you know, the world around you this is as is, is old as you can, can get, and we, we value it, and we don't want to change it. So. Mm. Well, I remember I was reading something in uh, this wacky Quora about Churchill and how she tried to... Uh, Make him a nobleman, into a you know give him a duke or I don't know what, what do you get what do you get if you're a duke I don't know you get something I don't know if you get a castle but you get something yeah you get property real estate yeah. she tried to make him a, a duke and he kept saying no because if he was a if he was a duke uh, was he a duke of, was it the duke of Flatbush or a duke of something something like in New York dukes of hazard dukes of hazard yeah <laughs> um, if, if he was a duke neither him or any of his kids could be in a house of commons I didn't know that yeah yeah. And I is there is there even a House of Lords anymore? Oh yeah, yeah. That's you know your nobility gets that. You know that's you know it's 
still there. But they don't um, vote or anything, do they? It's most very ceremonial, but it has, you know, your member of parliament, so and you have a borough, you know, this is all, you know, you representation, so it isn't just kind of only on paper, but it isn't, you know, the, a functioning body like the Senate here or something, but uh, yeah, they still have it. I, uh, I, I remember reading, and I don't know if, they, if she ever did anything like that, but I remember reading, and uh, if you ever, if you ever want to read a, a, a real serious book, but although all it will do is, is is totally piss you off regarding current current politicians. Um, there's a book, A Man Called Intrepid, uh, and it's about Bill Stevenson, who was the the head of uh, was it my British Secret Service during the war, basically, and uh, he he was he was M in the in the, in the Bond movies. I mean that that was his job, and uh, matter of fact, Ian Fleming. Was worked for the British Secret Service. It was like the third or fourth in charge, and he actually, you know, was involved in a lot of the policies. So when he wrote the Bond books, it wasn't all BS. He was. I mean, I'm not mm. saying that the, the story wasn't. I, I don't think there was an <laughs> Ursula Andress in the in the thing or whatever. But, <laughs> the, but but the fact is, I mean, he knew the inner workings of the stuff. Now, of course, those guys never let out let on what actually went on in there. But it wasn't like he didn't have some knowledge of how British Secret Service worked because he did. He was in it. But uh, anyway. So he, but the, uh, those guys, they would, uh, before the war, when, even when Chamberlain was, you know, there was a lot of denial about where the Nazis were going, and Churchill was working behind the scenes actually with Roosevelt even before he was in, to a certain extent. And, and some of the stuff they knew, I mean, they, they were ahead of their time. That's why the politicians now, you wonder, where, where do we get these people? They were ahead of their time. They knew that if, not if there was a war, that when there was going to be a war, that inf- information was going to be a big part of modern warfare. Uh, you know, knowing what your, your opponent was doing with the, with, and the idea of radar being a real big deal. And I think a lot of these experiments in radar and stuff, especially because Bill Stevenson was involved in some of that, I mean, the, the, one of the major reasons why, uh, you know, London, the, the Battle, of, Battle of Britain was won in the air, not only because of the valor of the people, but because the Allies' radar was way better than the Germans. Is that fair, John? I mean, it's yeah. a... Oh, yeah. I mean, we were the first people to have the radar in the sea. The reason why, you know, submarine warfare was won is because because of radar and, those, and a lot of things, uh, and code breaking and you name it. But I think the king at the time realized that that was the case, and even though the Chamberlain government um, was a- absolutely against anything like that, I think the, the king was able to fund some of this research on his own through their their purse. So it's not like they have zero power. They actually have somewhat of a budget to do stuff like that. And I don't know if she ever did it in 70, 70 years, but um, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's not like you want them doing too much because they they don't want to. And plus, they're you know, it's a constitutional monarchy. But uh, he was he, he was very instrumental in some of the early research done for like radar and some of that stuff. I believe it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and what what and when it comes to you know. Having power, just just what he, this is Elizabeth's father, George the Sixth, and his wife did for you know the home front during the war. Oh yeah, and, and Elizabeth and her sister too is really extraordinary. I think it, it, it was key to keeping you know Britain alive in the eyes of the world, let alone you know in the eyes of their own subjects. But it was it was precisely the kind of role that a monarch can play that an elected official. <laughs> You know, 
like with Churchill, I mean, he was out at the end of the war, which, which is kind of stunning to think after what he had done. You would think he'd be something, you, somebody you would appoint to a life position, maybe. No, no such luck for that kind of a, you know, a, a position. Whereas the monarch, you know, steadied the country and, and gave it credibility and encouraged the people to continue getting up in the morning and, you know, going to work, even if you came home and found your house gone. Um, you could you know, rebuild it. This was all part of the, the strategy. You can call it propaganda, but it was morale building of a very necessary kind. I can't really, maybe, you know, Roosevelt certainly occupied that role in this country and other people around him, maybe to some extent, but I don't think it compares really to what uh, the royal family did during the war to keep... Well, my aunt was from Britain, and she, you couldn't get her saying bad about the monarchy because... She goes, you know, even if the bombs came every night, and everybody's windows was blown out, he was he and the 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 rest of the family were out helping people put windows in the next day, knowing they get blown out again the next night. But they never, they never wavered. I mean, well, uh, and the Queen Mother said, you know, after Buckingham Palace had been damaged and bombing, she said, now I feel like I can go into the East End, where people's houses are bombed out, and say, well, they hit my house too. And this this really went right to people's heart. Um, now, you, you would think that it would be hokey. It's like Jane Byrne movie, The Cabrini Green. It's, it isn't like that, though. This was, you know, a, a, a death struggle, really. And they they stayed in London. They sent the girls away, but they stuck it out. And, you know, pe- they gave people a, a kind of reason to keep fighting. So I really have to hand it to them. He wasn't expecting to be king all those years, but when he, he did become king, I think he... Well, more didn't, than uh, the occasion. didn't Elizabeth work in some munitions factory or something? Yeah, she was driving. You know, she, she could take a whole engine apart, I think, and put it back together again. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Pretty, we're talking about ladies pretty bright. I can't I mean, do that time. No, oh, no, God, no. But, uh, the, uh, you know, they, the, 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 uh, they would have, in, in, the, in, the, in the book, they would have uh, areas, these, you know, these bunkers where they would take care of the entire, uh, all these radar installations, and they'd have all these airfields. And they they try and figure out where where the Germans were coming across that night or that day, and they that particular room would have like underground. I can't imagine air, air conditioning if any, and uh, there's you know a hundred people in there all doing their job. Can you imagine what that thing smelled like? I can't. I can't <laughs> I, you know, but I mean, I, well then then brings up the old question: if everybody smells, does anybody smell? I guess is a right. Nobody's paying any attention to anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> well, you smell it yourself. Right? Oh, yeah, or whatever. The uh, Anyway, so I mean, I my hat's off to her, and uh, boy, you know, it, to be on your game for that length of time, I bet as soon as she, the, the door closed, she was just happy to be inside, you know. And uh, you know, I was lucky enough to see her, Tom. Really? Wow. Uh, in July of '59, she visited uh, Chicago when the St. Lawrence Seaway opened, and she and Philip came to Chicago. It was the only city I think they visited um, via the newly opened St. Lawrence Seaway and through the Great Lakes and then down to Chicago. And it was only a 14-hour visit. Um, this is like between my first and second grade years, I think. But my dad took me down um, to the Museum of Science and Industry, which was one of her stops. And um, Daly, Richard J. Daly, gave her a tour of it. And the parking lot on the north side of the museum, you know, which is now you know, not a parking lot really anymore, but underground parking there, but that was a, a parking lot, and it was just full of people, and it was the biggest crowd I'd ever seen at that point in my life, and I was on my dad's shoulders, so, but I could have had great view, um, and they came out, you know, the door of the museum and stood on the steps, and the crowd went absolutely crazy, 
stood there with Philip and Daly, the three of them, and were waving to everybody. And um, I thought, God, this is, even when I was six, I thought, this is the Queen of England. You know, she's here at the, the place I was at last month. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it was kind of a, kind of a rush. Yeah. Well, plus at that point, the people who how many how many people in the crowd probably had served over there. Oh yeah, I mean it was That's uh, right. Yeah, the, war, the war was then only you know fourteen years behind us. So um, yeah, it was it was a really great thing. I saw Prince Charles too speak in Chicago in the Daily Center in the seventies. That wasn't quite as you know, exciting. Yeah, <laughs> well, see Elizabeth, that that has always stuck with me. Yeah, and I think too. he'll I think he'll do fine. I mean. uh I sure hope. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's a uh, uh, you know, life has not been perfect for him, but it's not. I think he's been okay. I mean, uh, you know, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody's perfect, but I mean, the Queen Mom, she was a big uh, <laughs> Chamberlain supporter. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she was she was all for uh, you know cutting a piece with the uh, with the uh, with the Germans and yeah. Churchill just once Churchill didn't trust the guy, he just didn't trust the guy. I mean, I mean, it's you know. You, you don't trust somebody. You don't trust them. <laughs> Good instincts. I mean, it's it's the you know it's just the way the the, the thing the thing works. But um, Jim Churchill, tell me, did you see any of the episodes of The Crown uh, Netflix? Season? No, I did not. I don't have. Well, a if, if you if it's really worth looking into, but but especially for the episodes with Elizabeth and Churchill. And Churchill is played by John Lithgow, mm. and I, I think it's some of the best acting. I've I've ever seen from him or, or pretty much any American actor. I mean, he he is Churchill. He he, he looks more like Churchill than maybe he, maybe he's even aware of. But the character that he plays and the and the, the you know the friction between him and Elizabeth, the changes in the course of these episodes is is just wonderful theater. And I mean, it's, it's an interesting series for a lot of reasons. But, but the one with Lithgow and the one with Jacqueline Kennedy and Elizabeth. Those those really stood out in my memory as, as excellent writing and excellent acting. So to mm-hmm. check those out if you can poke through. You don't have to binge watch the whole thing, but a couple of them are, are I think, kind of must-see TV. Yeah. Churchill's got some great quotes, but somebody oh, shipped yeah. me this one from uh, Cord Digest yesterday, and he's walking along with his wife. Of course, she was, like, way taller than him, wasn't she? Uh, Churchill's yeah. and, and, uh, Clementine. So, she, so she's, t- she's talking to this guy. The street worker or something, and uh, you know, sanitary guy. So Churchill goes, "What was like that all about?" And she goes, "Well, I dated him a while or something, and uh, <laughs> you know, before I dated you." And Churchill says, "Well, if it wasn't for me, you'd be married to a like a, a street cleaner." And she goes, "No, if I'd have married him, he'd have been the prime minister." <laughs> <laughs> you got to hand it to these Brits; they're pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly why he married Clementine. Oh yeah, what was, what, uh, but this is this is not not for your ears, man. What what a lady says, uh, Winston, you're drunk, and he goes, yeah, and you're ugly. T- tomorrow I'll be sober, and you'll still be ugly. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true, but it's not very nice. <laughs> anyway, um, so Jan, what I mean, we were we were bouncing heads a little bit last week, and. And some of these laws and some of this stuff, but I, I, I honestly believe we're, we're talking to our, our uh, Dave and uh, Daryl last night, and, and our two buddies from uh, Notre Dame, and they go, "Well, where are you now?" And uh, you know, on the political scale. And I said, "You know, to be honest, when the Republicans are in charge anywhere, I can't stand the job they're doing. <laughs> when the Democrats are in charge, I can't stand the job they're doing. So I don't know where exactly that puts me. I, I, I just see at neither side." 
there, none of this stuff has an obvious solution that you and I or anybody come up with. But I know if we don't talk, I mean, w- whatever the issue is, no matter where you are, there, there's somewhat of a middle ground. I mean, I was we were arguing last week about uh, people on the border. And yet this weekend, because you and I were jousting, I was paying real attention to every news snippet and wherever I could see on the Internet regarding that. And on one side, you got people bleeding about, we're letting these people over, they're screwing us over, blah, blah, blah. You know, the guy in Texas, the people are being overwhelmed. You know, and, what, and, and there's, there's good points on that side. I mean, you, don't, you can't have 5 million people trampled. I, I get that. But now on the other side, there's also this, hey, the world is pretty bleeped up. There's, there's, there's 70 million people that are refugees. There's 50 million people enslaved. There's, there's places that we have helped bust up, like Iraq, Syria, and other places. And all of a sudden, we're just, we seem very comfortable with Jordan, like doubling their population in two years. Just let's get in a room and figure it out. Okay, when we're giving all this money to Central America, yet all these people are, are coming up here. Okay, now why is, is our money being well spent? Are we just are we just making it worse? Are we are we uh, extending the time of the dictator? I mean, what are we doing? Jen, there's, there's a million variables here, and, and to get this all together would take 10 or 20 of our smartest people in a room for a couple of weeks just to try and make it happen, and that never happens. Everybody just stays on their own side with their, with their particular you know, story and, and bitches back and forth. That is no solution to anything, to, in my opinion. Somehow, I mean, how many people are, why are these people here? And, it, and I, I was talking to somebody, um, actually, uh, some of my Southside people. Well, you know, these people, I mean, I actually heard on the radio yesterday, too, about there are all these, are these Mexican cartels, and they're bringing people here, and they're charging people. Well, it's worse than that. Salvador in my building in his town in Mexico, there was a bus of people that paid to come up here. They never got here. Nobody knows where they are. They're dead someplace. Or sold into slavery. Not, I mean, it's, it's way worse than even. Now the question is, all right, now wait a minute. How is exactly is Mexico? We keep funding money down there, building factories down there, throwing them cash, and the thing is, the place is worse than it was 25 years ago. I mean, what are we doing? Are we, are we making it worse? Are we making it better? It would even be worse if we didn't do that. W- what is the story? What about Guatemala? What about El Salvador? What about these places? I mean, why are they seemingly as bad as they were 50 years ago? And how much money do they have there? Oh, by the way, the money we sent down there, how much of it was stolen back by, by nephews and sons of people in Congress? I mean, John, it's, it's time to take a look at these issues like they are real issues and treat them as such. We never seem to. Or where am I wrong here? It's, it's, of course, and it's bigger than any kind of bipartisan effort that could ever you know, take root. You can't even say that in political terms, because I think both parties are in on it, and they, they, nobody really wants to change very drastically what we've got. Think about how, how this really started, though, Tom. When you, when you had really a black market economy in this country that paid people, you know, whatever, it's sort of slave wages, certainly below minimum wage in a lot of cases, and, and people who were here without papers perfectly willing to do that and stay under the radar but but the, the money that those people made you know and they were living in real you know, flop houses or you know sleeping in shifts and beds in various neighborhoods so much of that money turned up as remittances going back to those countries where they came from to support the people there so you had an economy here that was taking advantage of people who were not you know willing to be on the radar to be you know have anything but a fake ID 
plus you know the the money that was being earned by those people and whatever jobs they had wasn't going back into the economy here it was going to fund you know the people who were living in destitution elsewhere the standard of living didn't rise in those countries though because of this it just turned into a pipeline well everybody wanted to come here and keep sending money back and it isn't just the latin americans that are doing this you know or central americans but but we started it by by letting people you know take jobs that immigrants never would have been able to get were they not able to prove their citizenship you couldn't work for the railroads when our ancestors came over unless you had at least you know given your declaration of intention to be a citizen and then when you got your citizenship you were you know qualified to do other jobs but but they didn't want people who were going to work for a pittance and live under the radar and create a subclass. This this is not how the, the immigrants you know were seen, and those kind of people were not wanted. Wait 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 wait! I'm going to say what what time frame are you talking about? I'm saying the Irish guys that, that, that dug the I and M canal, the Asians who blew up the mountains for the Transcontinental Railroad. I don't think anybody cared if they were citizens. Never even checked. Well, maybe you know until the Civil War, um, but certainly after the Civil War. This was after uh, when, when Im- immigration really picked up um, and, and it, you know exploded in the early 20th century. Then too, by then, when, when people you know, at one time was again, people we don't really care very much who these people are because we need bodies, we need people to settle, we need people to tame the wilderness, we need people to build the railroads and do jobs none of the people here wanted to do would benefit from if somebody did them. That changed after the Civil War. Well, let me, uh, let me, and the, and let me ask you... bust cycles after that, where you, you couldn't get a decent job unless you were... The thinking really changed. You could, I'd like to know more about exactly what else changed that made that so important. Well, let me ask, ask you a question. I know to my, my Italian side, and I guess the Irish side, too, I think came through Ellis Island. Um, now, the, the West Coast... When all of a sudden you had, you know, thousands of Asians here working on railroads, was there an Ellis Island out there, or did they just come in? I mean, I, I don't think anybody cared. The well, they came in through San Francisco and Los Angeles. Those are big port cities. I know, but did and anybody they, care? They have settlement you know, routines. As far as I can tell, a lot of those records are, you know, not complete in trying to search them on ancestry, but uh, the records for Castle Garden in New York, you know, which is a the predecessor to Ellis Island. Ellis Island is like 1893. Before that, it's Castle Garden, and you could enter at Philadelphia and Baltimore and you know other places and you know along the coast. But um, it was a, a highly regulated um, record keeping. You know, there, there were manifests for all these ships, age, you know, point where you boarded the ship, who was with you. What your job was, what's your destination, and and then you know with Ellis Island it became extremely you know streamlined to deal with huge numbers of people and and health issues were screened for and you know do you have a, a way of getting from here to wherever the heck you're going or this and if not you got to stay here this became a highly regulated but but actually very fair system because it, it didn't just let people be chewed up into a black market once they got off the boat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the people who came in and worked on the western part of the railroad, which is the Central Pacific, <coughs> the, the, going, the, going the other way, the Union Pacific was mostly Irish. And I'm going to say they I'm going to say they were at least half-assed documented. I think the people who died, 
the Asians. I don't think anybody cared. Anybody do what the Oh, I, I would have to agree too. And that, that was because I mean that's why San Francisco had this, you know, the Barbary Coast reputation. It was a, it was a dangerous place. I mean, it was kind of vigilante law, really. And I mean, this is what what made it, I guess, maybe a thrilling place to be in the 1850s and the gold rush and all that. But but it was a hellish place if you were, you know, kind of ready to be victimized by, a, a, you know. At that point, you know, a territory and then later a state that needed bodies, and they didn't care whether the bodies you know, lived or not, as long as they got got the work done eventually. It was it was a very different thing. I, I'd agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, it's always not a uh, a good idea. But anyway, the uh, whole point, <coughs> the thing I, I find this so messed up, Jan, is we used to go to you know, golf outings and stuff, and he's amazing. We say Lily White, uh, very right-wing country clubs and virtually you know 40 years ago every one of them had like a house on there with 15 guys living there that were taking care of the country club that were not citizens but it oh, was yeah. i mean it wasn't like you know if you would walked into that club and says we want only citizens we're going to pay regular wage you would not have been elected to the board let's put it that way <coughs> yet <coughs> you know their policy was we don't want anybody here yeah what about those guys oh yes 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 you know that type well of that was because they you know if those were were people who were citizens and they had you know identification yeah. they had social security accounts you're going to have to pay them more fairly than you wanted to well sometimes so guys are you... skipping out on people and taking advantage of people who were perfectly willing to be taken advantage of oh they were willing in no other way they were selling sending some money home but also a lot of them would show up with a social security card that was fake and people sent the money in and even if the, the number didn't exist the government never sent the money back <laughs> I mean Okay, we, we're paying into a number that nobody even has, but they didn't they didn't send the check back, did they? No, and you know, it's pretty easy for an employer to check if the employer cares to whether this person has a valid you know idea or if it's been flagged or not. That is it's easier probably now than it's ever been, and it, maybe it even should be even easier. But how many employers don't even bother for for very you know selfish reasons? They don't they don't want to. Have to deal with people that actually think they've got some say in what's going on. Or well, we got a dash in, but I read somewhere, and I can't confirm it, there were all kinds of people that had all zeros as their social security number. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that, well that's, that's a scandal that didn't have to happen. You know, but, but again, when you've got people you know, hiring people, and they prefer hiring people who don't have oh, yeah. valid IDs, then of course all you do is stimulate a flourish and create and fake it. I'm going to say, sure I, got that going too. when I started on the trading floor, most of the restaurants down here had several people that were not legal. I would say, I mean, uh, Greg could talk to it, uh, whatever, if he yeah. wanted to. Anyway, John, thank you. Feel better, buddy. SPV is down 31, NASDAQ is down 99. At least we stopped going down and came back a little bit. Be right back, Miss Audrey Johnson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 32 and a half. NASDAQ futures down 95. We're trying to stabilize here a little bit. Uh, Dow futures down 268 still. Individual stocks in the Dow. I got uh, Chevron Texaco down 373 as well. It's getting hammered. 
Caterpillar down 197, Boeing down 179, American Express down 207. There's actually not a not a green blip in the Dow here, uh, not a green blip in the transportation average either. Uh, market's still reeling a little bit by Federal Express's big drop last week, and it's down another dollar 47 today, so no comeback there at all. Uh, UPS down 121. <clears throat> so all that's, I mean, everything, if you think the market, the uh, economy's slowing, uh, all these stocks that are part of that, I guess would be tending to agree with you, although you never really know what the market's saying. For Europe, we've got the DAX down 57.4%. We've got the FTSE down 45.6%. Keck around down a little bit. We're down 61. It's a full 1% over in Asia. We've got the Nikkei down 308, 1.1%. Shanghai down 10.3%. Hang Seng, whack, whack again, down 195. It's a full percent. 18,565 is the whole number there. Uh, bonds, uh, U.S., we're up three basis points, 3.49. We did touch 3.5 the highest since 2011. Uh, Bund up three three basis points, 1.79. Japan continually unchanged at 0.25. Review of Friday. We came back on the close to only be down 139 in the Dow, 28 in the S&P, and NASDAQ down 103, but we came back for that. I mean, uh, oil down two, 235, 82.76. Brent down 224, 89.11. Natural gas down 24 cents, 7.52. Arbob down 5 cents, 235. So, I think gas prices have been down even even faster. They'll be down to like the low threes here pretty soon once we get off the summer blend and everything. Uh, gold, only down 790 now. It was down more than that earlier. 1675, silver up three cents. 1941, copper down two cents, 348. We've got crypto. This is a tough one here. Down a thousand bucks to 18,704. So if there's any margin calls going to be happening, they're going to be happening here pretty soon. Uh, the dollar. Uh, Euro dollar is 0.9999, so call it a dollar versus us. Uh, the pound is down more, uh, 1.137, so under 114. Uh, they haven't been this low in a long time. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 738 on Monday, September 19th, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago currently on the Tri-State, 294 North going towards O'Hare. A disabled vehicle blocking the right lane for West Grand Avenue. Expect delays up to five minutes. Uh, traffic on the lakeshore just occurred right now. Uh, there's an accident. Uh, two lanes, uh, two right lanes that's uh, uh, blocked. Uh, it's around DuSable, uh, uh, Lakeshore Drive, uh, north before Roosevelt Drive. Uh, other than that, fairly normal traffic this, nor- this morning. Uh, weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, a little damp this morning. Currently 68 degrees, a high of 79, and a low of 63. In Phoenix, clear skies, currently 78 degrees, a high of 103, and a low of 78. In the MLB yesterday, White Sox beat the D- Detroit Tigers 11-5. Cubs lost to the Colorado Rockies 4-3. The Diamondbacks played the San Diego Padres and lost 6-1. In the NFL yesterday, Bears versus Packers. Bears lost 10-27. As it stands currently, both Bears and the Packers have one loss to one win this season. Bears will be back next Sunday against the Texans. Green Bay against the Buccaneers. That's all I got now, Chief. Do we have Audrey? We do indeed. Audrey, how are you? Good morning. Just fine. How are you? I'm doing good. We had uh, John on. We had Greg before. We had talking about the Queen's funeral and talking about other stuff. But with you, I think we should talk about some uh, some real estate. I'm just going through some uh, numbers here because you were mentioning this weekend that uh, it's it's hard to get people to uh, move when uh, when they're they've got a. I'm just going through some numbers here, Rod. So somebody bought a place, let's say three years ago. Uh, for uh, you know whatever, say two seventy, and they put down thirty thousand, and they were going to uh, they were going to finance it at at three percent. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get 
your mortgage is going to be a thousand and twelve a month, right? A thirty-year fixed, right? So now that same house is say three seventy, which is probably close, right? So you're going to be you're going to be uh, the loan amount's now going to be uh, three forty, correct? Um, I don't know. I just had my first cup of coffee, but oh, we go right ahead. If now, if, now, if it's going to be three hundred, I'm going with your numbers. Well, it's going to be three hundred forty thousand, and the, and the rate is now six percent. Uh, you're talking double that per month, where a thirty-year fix is now two thousand thirty-eight versus a thousand and one hundred or something. So okay, so it's uh, when you were mentioning this weekend that nobody, even if even if you have three bedrooms and you have the you know the the extra kid all all of a sudden. You're going to find a way to stay where you are, instead of bumping up for the new house and having to pay six when you're only paying three now. It's going to be, you're, you're, something's really got to happen for you to want to move. I mean, isn't that? Yeah, is that uh, definitely. It, and that's it's a twofold problem, and people don't see that initially. All they can think of is somebody who's buying a house now, double what it would have been a year ago, for the interest rate. And that, of course, puts damper on your first-time buyers, cutting down what you can afford to buy. But the secondary is the people who have a interest rate of two and seven eighths, or up three and a half, and it's four, which is looking way better than anything they have. So unless you're a cash buyer, even if you're looking to downsize, you're going to think twice uh, about giving up that three percent mortgage to go out and get a six six and a half percent mortgage why would you why are you going to waste money you don't have to you're going to sit tight and see what the world brings right now well the only reason so why you might do out inventory so there's the people that want to buy there's hardly anything to buy and i still have several buyers and we've not been able to find anything since inventory is just dried up so rapidly so it's hurting on two reasons our funds turning the first-time buyer, and it's also hurting anybody who wants to move up, down, or sideways. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, what I really should do is take the numbers the other way, that if you have a house that is now, is now too big for you, that you maybe bought a, a, you know, a few years ago or something, uh, <coughs> or you think it's too big and you might want to downsize, you got to really downsize to get a payment less than you're paying now. you got to buy a garage. And for that's not take. what most people do anymore. No. Uh, people... The, the trend is if people tend to downsize for property maintenance, they don't want the acre of land anymore in the swimming pool. They don't necessarily want to give up square footage at a house. So they ends up they will end up buying something in a comparable price, but maybe in a townhouse or a condo or a uh, vacation house home instead of the, just the big house with the pool and the acre is now, well, just just to give everybody so it cost them more money, even if they're trying to downsize. Well, just to give everybody a, a view of of what the um, if the interest rate is six percent, and you're you're financing three hundred forty thousand, your mortgage is two thousand and thirty eight. If it, when it was three percent, the exact same mortgage it was fourteen thirty three. So that's essentially six hundred dollars more a month. It's a massive number. Not to mention mm -hmm. probably Think because. Because now that it's so, if they wanted to bring the world to a screeching halt, thank you, Fed. And what they don't realize is that brings so many businesses to a, a screeching halt. 
you know, the, obviously the real estate and mortgage business, but then you start cutting out on the people who are going to rehab their home. So your Home Depot, your Lowe's, your Menards, your carpenters, your electricians, your contractors. So they could just bring a giant piece of the economy to a screeching halt in six months and then wonder why we're having not just a depression, a recession, but teetering out of depression if they keep this up too quickly, I think. Well, I think the the, the Fed is the issue, but of course, as you know, um, I always have a different point of view on things. You know more than both, most people that, by the way. Uh, the, the mistake is not, is not being made now, or the mistake was made in driving it so far down in the first place. Yeah, but this, I don't, this quick, Yeah, it's too fast. It's too fast. So I don't think they're going to do anything except cause the average person an incredible amount of hardship. If that's their goal, well, they're certainly succeeding. Well, I mean, you and I, even though you're a lot younger than me, uh, you and I uh, <laughs> go, go back to a time where uh, it, I, don't, I think the Fed from... from God, from the time I graduated high school, is essentially, to me, I would be, I would have graded them an F the whole way. It's constantly been this start and stop, start and stop, and that's exactly what you don't want. I mean, if 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 your mortgage rates over a eighty year period were six percent plus or minus, you know, a quarter or something, and if your savings rate was three, three and a quarter, three and a half, say three and a quarter. Where, where grandpa or grandma can put their money in the bank and make some money like you're supposed to because other people are using your money. And that spread between three and a quarter and six, or three and an eighth and six, is seemingly what savings alone lived on for, for years and years. If we were just that way for a long period of time, none of this crap would happen. Houses wouldn't run to 400 and then go back to 180. There's no reason for rates to go down to three. And then when, or or were they twelve or thirteen when, when I got out of, when I got out of college or whatever? I mean, they, all that's the Fed. They, they they bury people with with the volatility there. There's no reason for it. I don't think. No, it's going to be crazy, and we're going to see foreclosures and you know people uh, along with the inflation at the grocery stores and the gas pump. People are not uh, be able to afford to keep all those balls in the air. And you have people not just having two jobs. I see some people now having three jobs. How do you have three jobs? And, and, and oh, I see husbands and, and people who are your average working class who come home from one job, go to the other, and function and go sleep because they need that extra money to make up for the difference that's been taken from them. Well, well, I, I, I used to. I used to, uh, when I was on the truck dock, so there was this guy, God, he was strong as an axe, too. Uh, he drove a bulldozer during the day for somebody, and he would he would sleep in his car somewhere from, like, f- and he would start at the truck docks at 6.30. And he'd work to 12.30, and then he'd head out and sleep in his car near the bulldozer, and during the week he had two, f- I mean, those are two real jobs, two Teamster jobs. And, uh, yeah, and that's exactly and, uh, what I'm saying. That's what we see it now. And, you know, people who don't have... A high-end job um, that's recession-proof or you know related to, to any of these industries. It's uh, be interesting to see when the uh, real estate sentiment numbers come out today. I believe so. That will be, uh, but there's 
they're setting us up for failure, basically, is what I think. I, I think so, too. I, um, well, you know, going back to somewhat normal shouldn't be a, sh- a slap upside the head, but when you've been so abnormal so long, it is. Right? I mean, Rachel, Rachel well, the, the people who did get their house at 3%, I had uh, a lot of customers that were first-time buyers, especially the, when they went to get their house, and I said, look, you're going to buy something, and you, you think you can't get your perfect house, I want you to buy something, anything. It doesn't have to be perfect, because these the free money doesn't last forever. No. And a lot of them, the younger, the younger generation, has not experienced anything but three, three or four percent, and now they're absolutely shot. The norm is about eight, and you know, give was... or take a little bit, as you said here or there. So this anomaly of free money, it's going to really cramp inventory, I think, for a long time because who is going to give that up, especially if they hike another point? And you're looking at what? Six to seven. I'm going to say what it before, which sounds like an incredible amount, but it's actually more becoming the norm. But it's still a psychological adjustment as well as a financial adjustment. I'm going to say that before uh, the Bretton Woods in '68, when we went off the gold standard to try and pay for the Vietnam War, I'm going to say that between 1952 and '68, or '55 and '68. Mortgages were about six percent, and you made three percent in savings and loan. Is that is that your remembrance, or that's about what? That's it, about right. But in the what I remember in the seventies, they were sitting around eight. Oh, you got! I, I remember paying. Well, I, we had a, a bridge loan. You know the story. Robin and I got the place, and Robin was feeding around the show. A friend of mine uh, from way back. She uh, was a tr- assistant treasurer at Pullman. So we remodeled one place and got a mortgage. In those days, you had to pay points basically out to behind. Remember, Rod? Still a little bit, but in those days, mm-hmm. you know, two, paying two grand for points on something you were, you were planning on, I don't, even, I don't even think the term flip was invented. Let's say remodel and resell within six months. You sure as hell didn't want to pay, you know, the, the, the closing costs, right? So the second time, Robin knew everybody at Continental Bank, so we ended up with a bridge loan. Which I'm thinking, this is this is great. <laughs> you know, we're we're gonna kick ass this time. Well, I think we got the bridge loan. I'm gonna say in November, and by April, the bridge loan was like 13 or something. Went up like a point a month. Because it was an adjustable rate. Yeah, it was. It was like uh, we think we were we were like two over prime or something. <laughs> and prime went up like, yeah, well, prime went up like every day. That kind of crazy in the yeah. 70s downtown was. They were converting every building in the well, that's, that's and how died on the vine when that happened. That's 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 what happened. I mean, we were we were right in the middle of the condo. We were modeling condos, duh. And uh, so all of a sudden, I'm going. So we sold the place for like one place, the exact price that I thought we were going to sell it at. How we found all these people, I have no idea. But, and I paid off. I mean, I had I put this dough on my credit card, and uh, we we broke even almost to the penny, not including all my labor and Robin's too. Uh, that, that they thought you were better off on the trading floor. Oh God, that. yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what? Well, I was never so happy to break even on a trade in my life. And I thought, I thought, boy, another three, four months, I'm buried on this thing. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, thirteen percent is is like a lot of dough. Even that uh, mortgage wasn't more; it was like 120 grand or something. But still, uh, that that yep. starts to add up. I mean, hell, that's what thirteen grand a year. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a real number. I remember. Uh, I could, yeah. I mean, look at. Briefly ran up to eighteen percent. Yeah, so it was um, unheard of numbers to people now who 
or it's just growing into the housing market. But, you know, it, 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 it's something that is, it, this is what it's going to be. So if you want a house from now on, you'll probably be somewhere between 6 and 8% for the foreseeable future, I would say. Well, but these, these prices, at some point here, uh, now, like I say, there's no inventory. But at some point, these prices are going to come down. They have to, because people can't afford it. Well, prices are coming down a little bit. Uh, Prices have adjusted since July. I've seen them ticking down. If it's not a perfect house, if it's not a perfect house, um, and it's going to sit, you'll see the price reductions coming up uh, sooner now. Well, Um, again, we were talking about it earlier. The people who aren't going to understand that and go with the flow are either going to be stuck with a house that they don't want, uh, and they're going to be living in it for a while longer. So you you can't you can't fight reality here. So a lot of people, unfortunately, are left holding the bag on things, thinking that if they just wait one more week, it's going to get better. And that's just not going to happen. No, um, Nancy was saying uh, last week that uh, one of the reasons why, because you you've been you know uh, talking loud and clear for months now that you know the a lot of the young people. First-time buyers want the house so they can walk right in. Now, the assumption there is that they're friggin' lazy and don't even want to, you know, change a lock or paint a door. Nancy says that's not really the case. What it is is they can't walk in and all of a sudden if they don't have another ten grand for the roof. I mean, it, it better be walk-in condition or mm. you, there's, there's not really. Yeah, a lot left. of them are, are so tight they don't have. Uh, a lot of them don't have the skills that they weren't lucky enough to have parents taught them. Uh, use a hammer and a nail and a screwdriver, but that is it. You know, they've done struggle so much to save their down payment, uh, even if it's a five percent down payment. You know, and uh, to get in there, that they don't have a lot of margin for error or disasters or remodeling. No, and they're looking for two or three or four good years where they both get a raise, and all of a sudden, you know, that the the mortgage is down to a. A, uh, you know, a decent number where they can start going out once in a while again, right? That's basically what you're looking for. But that's, that's yep. you know, that's been the way the whole time. And my, and my uh, stepfather, my mother bought the bungalow in 1958. I'm going to say that you know, where's my mom with the down payment? Even though, <laughs> you know, my stepfather was a regular guy. I mean, he didn't have any, he didn't have any money, even though he made some dough. And but I would say that you know, after five or six years, I, I'm going to guess the mortgage payment. He kept getting a raise and he got a few promotions and. I'm going to say the mortgage payment was a half of one month's check after six, seven years. You know, it was, it was you know, once well, what I would, and that's, this is what people are forgetting also in this, in this factor is this bull market run has also facilitated a lot of people having a lot of money. Yeah. So the market in this huge run up, uh, people made an awful lot of money that had it and or they felt good because their um, retirement funds were are flush but you know people there are a lot of people with a lot of money oh god yeah there are so you know there but you know there's people with the not even on one percent we'll say a little bigger than that but people who you know funded their 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 pension funds that worked and matched stuff and are sitting still pretty well Close to hopefully they'll managing their account and watching to make sure it doesn't go to zero in the next 60 days. Who knows? Uh, but I think that, that the enormous amount of wealth created by the stock market obviously went into the housing market. So it's not 
bad for a lot of people yet, but it's really bad for the sector that doesn't have that stock market portfolio and is just relying on their, you know, the husband and wife working. Or does so it own that's a house. the big dichotomy here. Well, if you, if you own your house and so your house run up, you know what I'm surprised, maybe, you know, I don't know if this is just because um, the creatures I deal with, meaning you and Nancy, are pretty bright with your not pretty bright, very bright. To be bright. the fabulous women you deal with? Yes. Is that what you meant to yes, say? Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, okay. uh, I don't, I don't, I'm sure it's not happening. Well, it's got to be happening somewhere. You know what I don't see is, is somebody buying, I mean, I, I know your your advice is, I don't even know if you'd do it for somebody. Nobody, nope, nobody appears to be being, I'm going to say dumb enough, to go buy the new house mm-hmm. and not sell the old one. And, and all of a sudden you get caught with two mortgages People aren't, yeah, people are not doing that anymore. Because that was a big problem is, last time. Yeah. That was a very, huge very, very seldom. you got to be pretty flush. Give me that. Wait, the puppy's got something. Hold on. Give me that. Oh, okay, God. sorry. Uh, you've got to be very flush and very secure to do that. And most people have just learned. Or they don't have that kind of money. And you don't know it's going to go tomorrow. Uh, and the banks have become, they did learn something out of the last crash. The banks are much stricter in their guidelines. So you're you're not going to you're not going to be able to pull that over a lot of times because you wanted to do it. They're going to say, "Hey, how are you going to float these two houses?" Well, I knew not, not so much the 2008 one, but the one before that, like in the late 90s, I must have known ten people in the OEX pit that got caught with two mortgages. Now those guys, of course, you couldn't you they wouldn't take any advice from anybody, but. Uh, you know, the, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. You haven't come across. You haven't told me of one, and neither is Nance. That guy caught that. No, way. I, no, and it's like I said, it's it's a different environment in the banks too. They also aren't just giving anybody a mortgage who's breathing. So that's not the problem. We're not having any issue like that with bad mortgages here. You're having you're having Fed problems. That's what you're having. Well, you're having. I mean, I the the idea that in the last. Well, since '68, how many years is that? A long time. The the ups and downs in in the in the Fed funds rate is something exactly what the Fed is there to avoid, and and that's just been the way. I mean, well, I don't know. They sure been down the wheels about the last eight months. So you know. Well, I mean, they uh, the, the problem is not that the that they're going to go to four and a half percent on the Fed funds rate or four percent. The problem is that they were zero. No, nothing screws things up. They never because all of a sudden things get pumped way up. People with cash can't make any decent money in the bank or any place. We got all kinds of money. Uh, Odd is still a registered rep at PTI. We got, I mean, I I didn't tell you this. We're going to the auction today for all kinds of money. A lot of people that uh, we, you know, we have a lot of wealth here and people that don't want, you know, we got somebody with a $2 million account and whatever. We got a million two in the market and most of it protected, thank God. Well, we're, we're plunking. We're plunking all kinds of the rest of that money in, in 26, um, not 26, or even 13-week T-bills at three and a half. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, that's looking good. Well, plus, as you know, instead of us going out and, and just buying it and paying the offer, Dan goes, my brother, we, we take our people to the auction so we don't have to pay the bid and ask spread. You know we do this right, right? And we got, I think we're, we're, we're pushing seven figures today. I don't, well, I, don't I think that uh, people are, uh, you know, you, you, I, for the first time in I don't know how many years, people are looking at the bond market. Yeah, we've got a couple of bonds so we've got, but mostly, 
a lot of people never, I think, grow up never even dealing with bonds or thinking about them. Well, plus the clearing firms aren't paying 3%, 3.5%. The Treasury is, so why not? Yep. And I think that's, that's the thing. The, the translation to your savings, what is that translation to your savings account coming along? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. We're not going to get that. That was savings. Are, are there any savings and loans left, or am I, am I showing my age? No, but at the bank, when are they going to start paying people a decent rate under passbook savings? You mean the banking cartel? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> so I wouldn't hold your breath on that. Before, when you were yeah. getting, you know, 5 6 8% on your passbook savings. What is what's the highest you ever special? What's the highest you ever got in a CD? I, I think I think Robin holds the record. She got fifteen and a quarter for a six month CD at Continental Bank back in what was that seventy nine? I do have a I do have something to be from way back when um, my uncle, who you know was a, a really big de- uh, GM dealer, uh, he had some General Motors bonds that paid like twenty four percent. Wow! God, <laughs> oh, he didn't he didn't give them to you, did he? Oh, then we think he catched him in when he retired. This was a long time ago. Oh, God. Yeah, my uncle was a pretty smart, pretty oh, God, smart he guy. Was. Well, I take care of yourself. SP Futures down only 28, and SP Futures down 85. We actually come back a little bit. We'll see what happens here. Fed meeting tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. And that's how she wrote. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.